Welcome, beautiful soul, to the Intuitively Connected podcast. I am your host, Riley June. I am honored to be your intuition master coach and empowerment leader who has spent the past half a decade perfecting a method to walk you through deep cellular transformation so that you no longer need healers to help you thrive in your life. I have had the honor of supporting thousands of women across the world and watching them move through deep transformations from finding themselves, ridding the limiting beliefs and hurt of their past, finding that deep soul intuitive connection that we all desire and seek, and having them walk away a more empowered and connected version of themselves, thriving in so many different ways. This podcast is here to bust down the new age deceptive, manipulative energy tactics that are often found in the spiritual industry, sharing credible guests transforming lives with specialized gifts and modalities to not only equip you with the knowledge of what to do, but to inspire you to take that action so that you can rise and thrive now and in your future too. From intuition, faith, mindset, emotional intelligence, physical care, and so much more, this weekly dropping podcast every Monday will give you the dose of knowledge you have been praying for. It's time to get you intuitively connected now. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to another session. Today is going to be a share on the birth story of baby Noah, which will be alarming and also very powerful. And even if you're not a mom-to-be or plan to conceive children anytime soon, you're just, you're genuinely a woman, you're at some stage or form in your life, this birth story is really going to bring a lot of empowerment to you. And this is such a testament to the power of our intuition and how we're just so quick to judge it. I was reflecting on this last night and I was thinking about how like everything that we do in our lives, it's there's all this trauma-informed knowledge and everything that we do is focused surrounding our trauma and overcoming our trauma and honestly what is trauma because eventually you get to a point where you decide that that circumstance is no longer traumatic now I'm not trying to downplay that there are traumatic experiences and there are very life-altering experiences that are negative or not um, not ideal or not something someone would ever design or desire to choose for themselves, right? Like there are just things that happen in this life, in our lives, in your life. But there comes a point where through your healing journey, you just get to the space where you decide that it's actually not traumatizing anymore. And that was something that I really found when I started to take a more faith-based approach to intuition was that it helped people to supersede this idea of being stuck in their trauma or limited by their trauma or having to overcome their trauma, that they were able to come to this place so much faster of realizing that, oh, I can actually just accept the things that have happened to me and I can seek a lesson in it. I can choose to not. I can genuinely just move forward. And If you're wondering how the F I'm recording podcasts while being at this point two days postpartum, I love what I do. I really genuinely do. I love doing this podcast every week. It was something when I started that I never thought I would commit to long term. But as you show up each week and you build that habit and just being able to share like insider stories and a place where you can come as a resource for you to help you through whatever it is that you're navigating in your life, that is why I show up and do this. So just know that if you have a desire in your heart to change the world, to help the world, to even help one person at a time, that has always been my goal every day is to show up and support one person every day. If I can do that, then I've truly done my job. And if it ends up being 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people, a million people, so on and so forth, then even better, right? But something that you choose to do in the name of good really does get to impact people. And it gets to be something that you genuinely want to show up for. I have been so, so, so undeniably 
unimaginably blessed in these last, like, well, just ever, but in these last couple weeks of just going through this end of pregnancy and then having the birth, which is a unbelievable experience. Um, my mom came to stay with us to uh, help us with the kids for this week, which has been really, really nice and just like helping around the house and making all the meals and just like taking over. Oh, it has honestly been so wonderful. I also just realized that my mic was not plugged in. So the volume has likely changed a bit and hopefully the clarity. And I'm definitely not going back to re-record that because hashtag new baby life. Um, but yeah, so my mom came and she has just been such a blessing to us and everything has just gone so incredibly well <laughs> considering which we're going to get into in a moment. Um, and yeah, so I just, I want to start this episode off by saying do something that you really love and follow through with it. And and in spite of that, understand that in doing the things that you love, in pursuing new, better, more, bigger, greater, whatever it is, a passion, that you're going to naturally unlock this deeper sense of knowing and understanding and commitment. And that through faith, through faith, you can truly overcome anything. And there is such a magical blend between faith, science, and energy that I am so freaking obsessed with. And it's like it everything eventually comes together. It took me five years to get to the point of building the business to the degree that it is, to creating the community and the connections with all of you to the degrees that I have, to pursuing and having a podcast with over 21,000 downloads, to being able to bring my husband home, to living the life that we do with our kids, to just all of it, like literally all of it. It's so, so incredible. So I want to start a little bit back here because I think this is really important in just the trajectory of even leading up to the birth story and really just ending this episode off with you understanding how powerful you are no matter what. And especially women, I'm going to throw some societal stuff in here because after this birth and then just some things that have come to light in Canada specifically, I, I just... I'm not someone who's ever just been quiet about things that are just not okay. And this is one of those things now where I'm like, oh, I can't even look at it. And I'm, I'm, I don't necessarily need to work on not being emotionally charged by it, but it definitely brings out such a deep level of passion and conviction where it's, it's like vomit now coming out of my mouth. Like I have to say something. (laughs) So we're going to get into that. So Let's talk about the power of faith and intuition, first of all. So up until, I think it was like August, um, if you've been following along, if you've been in the membership programs, following on social media, listening on the podcast, I have really stepped back a lot from the work that I do. And naturally, when you step back from pursuing something as much as you have, it's going to have... Uh, the same sort of energetic effect in in the beginning because you have to reestablish a new sense of routine and understanding and trajectory. So in my business, I took a bit of a step back. We ended the membership at the end of September or at the end of August, sorry, um, and that really freed up a lot of time. I pulled back from doing one-on-one coaching. So naturally, all that reoccurring revenue that was coming in started to fall away. The payments were paid out. The Uh, membership payments weren't coming in anymore and that had given us a significant buffer in our family and when Phil and I had sat down to have this conversation where I was like I like energetically emotionally mentally need to just pull back for a bit I need a bit of a break and I'm not genuinely enthused with Um, some of the things that I'm doing like I was before, like I need to really refine my grounds or even decide if that's something that I want to do moving forward, which meant that if I was going to take a bit of a step back, that we were going to have to adjust our lives in terms of financial income. And that 
the both of us looked at each other and, you know, it's not easy and it's scary when you have a house and bills and (laughs) soon to be four kids and, you know, life. And we just said a prayer and we were like, okay, we know that God is going to take care of us. And not because we're just like going to do nothing and sit on the couch and just expect God to fill up our bank account, but because our genuine intention was to not only find what we, in this case, me, I'll speak from my my perspective and what I was doing anyways, um, but for me to find a new level of connection and direction and equally also find a deeper level of trust and surrender with God and with my faith. And so I have been very diligently spending the time um, just reading my Bible and being in meditation with God and just really filling up my heart with Jesus and the miracles that they are and the power that they are and the ability that they have when presented in our lives. And it feels very uncomfortable at first because it's like you're, it's kind of like the same idea as trusting the universe to do something for you. Like when you're manifesting, you just got to blindly trust. The difference is, is that with the universe, there's no actual book that has a promissory in it. It's just a whole bunch of spiritual teachers online that have said, yeah, the universe is going to provide. Well, there's no actual reference to that. It's just people who have created ideologies energetically. It's worked out for them. They've manifested things in certain degrees and ways and positive and negative and neutral. But there's no actual reference to tell you that that's coming from a good place, a positive place, a powerful place. It's coming from a selfish place, a self-focused place for sure. But what does that glory bring? Like, where is that glory going, right? Like, what are you really praising when you're doing that? Energy, information, nothing, right? And you can fill in the blanks of what you believe to that degree. But from my perspective, it's just like looking at you're kind of putting hope in the air and you're just hoping it works out for the best of your interest when in actuality fulfillment and purpose really comes from fulfilling the needs of others and helping others and being of service to others just to some or any degree whether that's motherhood as a wife as a practitioner as a coach as a service to some form or degree And so as I took this step back and we really just put our faith in God, of course you have the natural stressful tendencies. Oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? And then on top of it, when it comes to one-on-one coaching, which I'm so excited to talk more about and one of those things that came through in being able to have this space to take a step back, I'm going to be partnering up with a uh, functional medicine practitioner for my coaching packages that are going to enroll beginning in uh, November. So applications will open then and we're going to take on a handful of clients, me and Doc Jacques. And I've talked about him often. There's also a podcast episode. He primarily works with women and helps them to treat anything from gut issues to fertility issues uh, and just really physically helps you overall to boost and improve yourself emotionally, mentally, um, and ultimately physically. And then with me, I come in to support you in the mental, emotional, and spiritual understandings to really overarchingly and everything in between help you to improve your life 100%. Like, I am going to do a whole nother episode on this and I'll probably have him come on with me and I'm just going to talk about it so much um, because I'm absolutely obsessed with what we're doing. But these are going to be three or six month containers and... It's just, oh, like I'm, a, I'm obsessed. I can't wait to talk about it. The one-on-one coaching um, with him, it will be an option. So you don't necessarily have to have us both on your team, um, but you absolutely can. And then there's also intuition immersion. So it's like these two things, having this time apart from just like this hustle and bustle that I've been doing for five years has really just opened up so much clarity and it really did require me to take a step back. And so within that, naturally, there's a scarcity. Well, how are we going to pay for this? And how is this going to look? And what about this? And we just continued to pray and we continued to just focus on the gratitude of what we did have and knew that if anything, we would figure out a way, like whether that was me picking up a job if need be, or if that was Phil going back to work, like really allow yourself to know that what might look like taking a step back 
isn't a step back at all, right? There's this whole idea in the entrepreneurship world that if you have to go back to a regular job, if you have to pick up a job, like that this is somehow you failed. But the truth is that you're not. You're just learning to leverage time and money in a different way and have a plan for how you're going to use that, right? So for me, Phil, thankfully, my dad actually really needed help. He runs a concrete company. And so um, all of his guys just were not showing up and they weren't performing well and all the things. And Phil's a really hard worker. And it also has been really good for him to get out of the house and go back to do something that involves like work. Um, you know, get that masculine side of him going again. And it has inspired him in so many ways to one, understand that this is extremely temporary because he's only going to be doing it till like maybe the end of October, middle of November. Um, but then also really inspired him to find other sources and dig into some of the other means of uh, projects that he has been working on for himself. So like really getting into a good routine with the kids around homeschooling which we have anyways, um, but just like really putting more attention into it versus it just like being another checkbox of things to do. Um, and then his trading. So there's there's been a lot of clarity for him as well, which is super cool. And maybe I'll do another podcast episode with him. And we'll just kind of talk about this transition phase. But um, having this step back really made me realize like what I wanted to focus on. And so as we were coming up to the month of October, there was a few things that we um, really wanted to take care of in terms of debt, but just couldn't justify it. And all of a sudden, I woke up uh, a couple days before the end of the month of September, and we had $10,000 dropped into our account. And I just remember sitting there in absolute awe, like, how is this even possible? You know, you hear the stories of like, oh, I manifested 10K. Oh, I manifested. I manifested. It's like, even in those moments, I didn't even focus on myself having created that. I looked directly at God and just thanked him for this incredible blessing because it allowed us to take care of the things that we wanted to. It gave us a massive buffer room uh, to be able to carry us into the new year if need be, though, like just you wait to see what's coming. (laughs) And it was just such a moment of recognition of truly the power of faith and trusting my intuition to know that if I wasn't going to be the one to make the decision to pull back, to 100% lean on my faith, to really go all in with needing this time to be in the last stages of pregnancy, to give myself a break after the birth, to you know, just really even step back into that motherhood role again. Um, I've been a provider for so long and naturally you take on the masculine tendencies, right? And so being a mom, I didn't necessarily have all that time during the day to like be with the kids and play with them and more towards the last year I have, but there's still, you know, three three to five, depending on the day, depending on how many clients I have or programs are running, I have hours worth of work too. And and that's perfectly fine, right? My kids are old enough where they take care of themselves when it comes to like snacks or, you know, playing with each other or things like that. So I don't always have to be 100% present. But the whole point of building this business online was to be able to eventually be more of a full-time mom. And so making that decision to really step back has allowed me to really reshift my focus to that place of knowing that, yeah, that's this is exactly why I built it. This is why I'm creating what I'm creating. This is why I'm going in the direction that I'm going and really just reaffirmed all these things that I knew. But if I didn't take a step back, I wouldn't be able to truly understand. And maybe you're in a place in your life right now where you're so overwhelmed by all the commitments and all the things that you're doing and you're wanting to do and you're not doing that you want to do and so on and so forth that this can equally be your reminder to really start digging into your faith and trust in your intuition to create that space for you. Because if you don't, nobody else will. And that is something that I have learned so much and very fiercely in these last few weeks. So we were blessed with this um, money that came in. We have been just like really enjoying this time. I mean, well, there's a 
catch 22 because um baby Noah was so low in my cervix for like my entire pregnancy that even at the end here um it was super uncomfortable so as much as I say that we've been enjoying it (laughs) you can two things can be true you can be enjoying something a lot and also be extremely uncomfortable and not enjoying it too (laughs) so that has been that so um yeah, it's just been a wonderful experience. So that was a beautiful financial blessing that came into our lives. And then um, another big one was we, so I'm someone who doesn't like a lot of attention on me, which might sound contradictory considering like I'm a face on social media and an entrepreneur and I do all these things that requires like me being very present and in the front lines, right? Running events, all the things like that. But I actually really don't like to have a lot of attention on me. It makes me feel very uncomfortable. Um, But I love a challenge and I love supporting people and I love the message that I bring. And so I choose to be uncomfortable in that even though it's not my favorite thing, right? So um, when, uh, let's go to, well, we'll start going to the birth story. So I, um where do I want to start this? I'll go from here. So it was Saturday, which would have been October 1st. And leading up to this, I knew I was like, oh man, I'm going to have him like first thing on October. Like he's coming out. And this isn't just like me being, you know, at that place of uncomfortableness and just over it and all those things that come with the end of pregnancy. Like it was just intuitively, instinctually, I knew like he's going to come out. And I knew it wasn't necessarily just going to be like, he's going to come out and everything was going to be fine. With my last two pregnancies, um, I would go into, so with Philip, I went into spontaneous active labor and my contractions were a minute apart. I labored for about eight hours and then my water broke and he came out literally immediately, like two, three pushes. Clara, I was induced at 38 weeks and she, uh, it was about an hour and then my contraction started again about a minute apart. I labored for about nine and a half hours and then um, my water broke and she came out within like one, two pushes again. So with this pregnancy and this birth, I was like, I had a feeling that it was going to be different. Um, and, but I was also like heavily relying on it to be the same. So I was looking for the same symptoms. I was looking for the same kind of, um, uh, coming up to the experience and nothing about this pregnancy and nothing about this birth or anything to do with it was even remotely the same. Uh, in the beginning of this pregnancy, I had a really hard time mentally because in my last two, there was so much trauma happening. Phil was dying in the first one, awaiting surgeries, multiple surgeries. He had two open heart surgeries. Then with Clara, he wasn't having any surgeries, but he was going to the hospital for heart attacks. So I was like on the edge for my last two pregnancies. So coming into this one, naturally, all that trauma comes up. And for the first like eight to 12 weeks, I was super in my head about everything. I was like creating problems, worried, like worried that the baby wasn't going to make it, like worried that there was all these other complications, worried that I was going to have a problem. Like it was so unrealistic, but my brain would not slow down. So um, I also wanted to go more holistically this time. I didn't want to have a regular doctor because of all the garbage that they push. And I don't, I don't agree with having a practitioner who hands me a pamphlet that says you should get the COVID vaccine while pregnant and it's safe um, when there's literally no evidence to back that up. Like I want someone who understands what's going on, who has a similar belief value system as me and who's not going to give me false information right out the gate um, that could literally harm me or my baby. So that was a big um, advocation moment in the beginning when we originally had gone through a doctor just to get the process started while I waited for a midwife. And then um, I eventually got on with a midwife. And so this whole experience is way different. And honestly, I highly recommend if you're going to conceive or conceived or, you know, plan to be a mom, To go the midwife route, Um, especially in Alberta, it's covered. So you can go private, um, but it is also publicly funded as well. I used the um, New Beginnings Midwife Care and Megan was my practitioner. She was absolutely phenomenal. They tell you so much that doctors just like, oh yeah, you're going to go in for this check. You're going for this scan. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. 
but you have no idea why you're actually doing this or what these are actually for. They essentially just kind of expect you to Google it, um, in my experience. And with a midwife, she's like very much explaining why these things are done, why you don't have to do them, why you could do them, benefits, non-benefits, her opinions uh, in her experience of the care, letting you know that, again, this is my opinion, you don't have to take it, like do your own research, very much about do your own research, gives you research information that's not biased or from the CDC or the government of Canada, which is awful. Um, and just like this was such a non-invasive experience. Um, I only had two ultrasounds, one in the beginning to ease my mind, to tell my brain that the baby wasn't dead and was going to be okay. And then another one for the, oh no, that's not true. I had three ultrasounds. Um, one for the gender to find out what gender he was and then another one for finding out the gender and then it cut me off so I might have said that already and then another one to do a heart check because Philip had a complication with his heart so with my with Clara and then with Noah we did the heart scans to make sure and he was all checked out so that was the extent of my ultrasounds and then Um, that was it. There was no internal checks constantly. I didn't do the glucose test. I didn't have to go on insulin or monitor blood sugars. And I do understand that that's not everyone's experience, but that's also another huge part of like knowing your body and knowing your energy. And it wasn't that I didn't want those things from a place of pride. I didn't want them because I knew I didn't need them. Like, I very genuinely take care of my health. Um, I had some blood tests done. They all checked out. And then that's all that I needed to know. If things are checking out, I'm not going to treat my body like it's sick. And that was something that I really saw a lot of with my last two pregnancies going through the medical system was that they treat pregnant women like they're sick. There's this constant monitoring, this constant checking, this constant need for supervision and this constant, 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 like you don't know what you're doing. You got to put your trust in us. But then they hand you these, excuse my French, I hope if you have children in the car, I'm going to swear it's turned down. Um, They give you these fucking pamphlets that are going to like kill your child. It's like unbelievable believable um with the vaccine so like ugh. anyways ridiculous so I didn't like that um and in both of my cases going through the medical system there was just like constant neglect and constant lack of like professionalism and so with the midwife it was a night and day experience having her come in and support us So we're going to go all the way up to the birth and this was the October 1st and I stood up in the tub. I was like, I knew that that I was going to be having him like so, so soon. And when I start having lots of baths, that's usually a big sign for me that um, that something's like shifting in my body, whether I'm getting sick or in this case, I'm going to go into labor. And so he so I stood up in the bath and I felt like what was my water breaking and I'd never had my water break prior to literally the baby coming out so I expected that if my water was breaking he was coming out and this was like I needed to be somewhere real fast and when I stood up and the water broke and then I kind of like waited a bit I was like well like maybe maybe not like I don't know like I don't think so I waited an hour I didn't start getting contractions that was kind of like Um, my time frame for myself was like, if nothing happens in an hour, then I'm fine. We're good. And then Phil had been at a church, uh, brunch and I had texted him after an hour. I was like, oh, I think my water might've broken. And so he came home and went to the hospital and they did a swab and it was negative. And the lady checked me and she's like, well, you're dilating, but it still feels like everything's intact. And, um, it doesn't seem like, uh, you did and na na na. And we'll, you know, monitor yourself and then come back later that night. And, Uh, We'll see if anything progresses. And then um, they originally, so I didn't have an actual plan for where I was going to give birth. It was between the hospital in Viking, which is where I live, or someplace in Edmonton, maybe a hotel, maybe a birthing center, maybe a hospital in Edmonton. Um, But I didn't really have a plan. Intuitively, I knew that I had to just wait until the day because whatever I was going to plan was not going to be whatever I wanted it to be. And I think that there's this really interesting thing that I'm observing that I want to just speak to really quickly about 
this whole like energy around birthing and and having these sacred births it's like I totally get it and I'm not like um, shitting on it by any means but I think there's this huge emphasis on like having to have things so proper and specific and then we have social media where there's these Um, these women who just come out of birth and their curls and full makeup and they're beautiful and gorgeous rose gowns. And it's like, let me tell you, if you're going through a natural birth and you're doing it unmedicated, and especially if there's water involved, ladies, don't look at that shit of women looking perfect because you ain't going to look anywhere near that unless you got a team to help you out afterwards. And even then, like, who I just think about that I'm like they're either highly medicated on epidurals or they literally have a team because I can't imagine the woman that goes through a natural birth no no painkillers no nothing and with or without complication and they're like yeah I need to look good and take some pictures like I'm gonna swear again what the fuck no, not a chance. Not a freaking chance. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. If that's you and you have the same thoughts as me, or if you don't, let me know on Instagram. Shoot me a message. It's just insane. Like for this one, I was like, um, so okay, I'll go back to my story. So water didn't water supposedly didn't break, even though I was like, mm, that's super fishy. And intuitively I knew like something had definitely happened. And then Sunday, nothing. I was just super uncomfortable, definitely more pressure. So I was like, okay, like he's going to be like, we have like 24 hours. Like that's what I'm saying to Philip. I was like, he's going to be here by tomorrow night at the latest. Monday, I had a plan to do a holistic induction with my midwife. He was supposed to be due or my due date was October 7th. And um, so we went to the holistic induction on Monday morning and I got the concoction and she did a sweep and she checked me and I had dilated to three centimeters at this point and um I was like okay well see y'all at 2 30 and me and Phil went and we we're just walking around and I was like I was like oh like I actually like get to prepare for this birth for the first time like I'm not just in a hospital trying to get my child out because the doctors can't figure out if there's a medical issue or not and that was Clara's thing and then I'm not hyper contractive at like two in the morning getting woken up and that was Philip's story and so this one I was like oh like I got time it's the middle of the day like this is gonna definitely go really fast um I'll curl my hair I'm gonna put some makeup on I'm gonna wear like a nice-ish outfit even though like you're not giving birth in the outfit um, I was like, oh, it looks so great for my pictures. Yeah, fuck that. You know, if God has a way of humbling you real fast, it's going to be in your birth story. So we're walking around. We leave the the place. Um, we go for lunch, which is great. Go into winners. I was like, oh, maybe like I'll get like a new sweater or something. And then I was like not in the mood to even touch anything. I just wanted to like walk and just close my eyes and do nothing. And then we decided, okay, you know what? We've been trying to go get some fall decorations for a bit and let's like go get some little crafty things for the kids. So we'll go to the Dollar Tree. Well, that's where it all started. (laughs) That's where it all started to go south, (laughs) if you will. So I go into the Dollar Tree, walking around, we're picking out some stuff and my water breaks um, in the bathroom. I was like, oh, I think I really have to pee. So I go to the bathroom and my water breaks in the bathroom. Thankfully, it's in the bathroom. But the problem was, was that my water had actually broken on Saturday. And because of this like dismissal around the hospital. So typically Viking has um, like people on board to do birth and stuff. But this particular weekend they didn't. So they were going to have to refer me out. So they really didn't want to put in a lot of effort to progress me potentially being in this position to have to give birth uh, because then because nobody was on staff to do anything about it other than just like nurses to like generally check and so my water had broken on the first but because of the way he was sitting on my cervix he was like blocking it so unless he moved his position um, more like amniotic fluid wasn't coming out so when my water broke in the dollar tree he had 
it was like I literally looked down and I looked at I thought to myself I was like I just diarrheaed my pants I cannot believe that these words this experience this is happening right now in my life what is going on because it wasn't just like a little bit of meconium in the uh, the water. It was like full green, gray um, water that was like coming out of me and it wasn't stopping. And I call Phil from the bathroom and I'm like, holy F, like, I don't know what to do. I literally can't walk without the, like gushing. And I, it's poop, like there's poop all over me. I don't know what to do. And oh my goodness, I laugh about it now. But in the moment I was like, I, how am I going to face myself? Like, I don't even know how to face myself, let alone I still got to walk through the Dollar Tree, people. I have to sit in a car, go through the hospital check-in, go to, like, sit in this. Like, I had no other clothes. We had forgotten my bag of clothes at home. And so I just had to sit. And it wouldn't even mattered if I brought um, other clothes because of how much consistently was coming out. Like, it literally didn't stop. Like, I look at my pregnancy pictures and I was probably like a third baby and two thirds water. And um, I was just like leaking. It was absolutely insanity. And it's so interesting because mentally, because of all the work that I've done, I wasn't embarrassed. Like it was like, okay, this is happening. Let's move on. Like I'm very much a person where like in the thick of anything, good or bad, I'll get down to like, yep, let's do this. We're going through this. Not a big deal. I really am not someone who's ever given a care about what other people think. But then my body felt embarrassed. It felt like, oh my gosh, like there's poop all over me. What am I doing? And even though clearly my water has broken, like you'd have to be an idiot not to notice that. It was just like a whole nother level of experience for me personally. So we call the midwife and I'm like, okay, like this is this is like what this color looks like and she said in her 25 years of doing what she does she told me this the next day thankfully she's never seen that much meconium before so me not having a plan actually was the most perfect thing because if we had booked the the birth center we would um, be out a significant amount of money and we wouldn't have even been able to deliver there because of the state of my water I would have had to have gone to the hospital either way. And if I would have gone to Viking, they would have had to transfer me to Edmonton because they needed the NICU on standby because of how much meconium was in my water. So either way, not having a plan, even though it frustrated everybody, I intuitively knew the whole time I needed to literally just wait and just ride it out and see what was going to happen when I got there or got to that point. And intuitively that's or realistically logically uh, figuratively that's exactly what had to happen so we had to rush to the green nuns phil's panicking i'm like okay it's not a big deal like it's fine god has a plan we're gonna get through this even though this is extremely painful and uncomfortable oh my goodness i've never experienced this before in birth um and then we get in they check us in and the people are fucking nazis Oh my goodness. Like, I don't normally swear this much on my episodes. So if you have children in your car, I apologize. Um, I'm going to try and tone it down, but it's just, it's so outrageous. One, it's outrageous because of the way that midwives are treated in the hospital. They are treated like just absolute, like, what are you doing here? You're crossing my territory. And then there's also the perspective of the people who work there. And they're, not all of them, not all of them, but this one lady in particular is an absolute psychopath. Like I'm clearly in having a contraction as I get wheeled into this ward and I won't wear a mask. I don't care. Now that Canada dropped the mandates, um, Alberta Health has the same, I guess, policy structure as when they dropped the first part of them, which means that they can suggest, but they cannot enforce. And unless you actually know that and are willing to advocate for it, you'll probably just put one on in the hospital and um, just go about your life and way. And most of them 
people working there also don't know that. So it's going to like, again, unless you want to advocate for yourself. And let me tell you, I am stubborn to all extents. So I get into the hospital like, hey, we need to put you on a mask. I was like, nope, no, thank you. And they're like, well, unfortunately, we need you to. I was like, no, you can't enforce this anymore now that the things have dropped. Um, if you need me, like I'll put a face shield on. And like me putting on a face shield on is like me literally holding it up to my face. Like the difference it makes when I put an elastic band around my head. Look, come on. Anyways, so we get into the ward. The one lady behind the desk, she just like looks at me and she's like, your midwife doesn't have privileges here. So you're going to be under a doctor and you need to put a mask on. And I was like, you can wait. And then uh, I had to stand up and walk to her room and never put a mask on because she can go fuck herself. Uh, also, you probably shouldn't work in a high intense, stressful ward if you can't manage your tone around people my opinion. Anyways, so never dealt with her again, which was great. Everybody else was perfectly fine. So lovely. Um, And even within that, I think that it's a really interesting thing that I observed that there's this huge bash against the medical system. And there's all these women that are like advocating against it. And for obvious reasons, it's run like a business and it's run to keep you sick versus actually like sustain your life, right? It's literally there to save your life. Um, But there's there's so many genuinely great medical practitioners and just because there's the select few or maybe like a large amount of people who are indoctrinated and don't think for themselves within the system like literally anywhere else uh, there's this whole thing against them and let me tell you as much as I dislike the medical system the system um it has saved my family's life every single time we needed it to. It saved my oldest daughter's life, Charlotte, when she had a serious lung infection. It saved my husband's life a multitude of times. It saved my son's life, even though there was still neglect in that experience. It saved my daughter's life, even though there was neglect in that experience. It saved Noah's life. Like, you know, we're so quick to always like blame things and like completely cancel them out from this conservative side or right side. It's like, you're not actually any better than the left. You're just taking a different side and speaking just as loud, right? And again, there's nothing wrong with advocating or standing up against something that's in, like inherently wrong or is needs to be changed. But I think that the way we go about just completely shaming everyone all the time, it's so exhausting. Like no wonder people are so tired right now. Anyways, that's my rant on the medical system. So we get into the room my midwife did have privileges. This lady was just uh, B-I-T-C-H. And she comes in and she's like, okay, like we're gonna, you know, figure this out. We're gonna deal with it. And by the way, at this point, I'm still leaking amniotic fluid, poopy amniotic fluid. Like that's, that's all that's coming out. And so I labored for about, my contraction started about 3.30. And then um, after my water broke and I labored until probably six and then my midwife realized that's when the heartbeat um for Noah started to drop so she had to start like getting me into trying different positions and like this is like he's like literally like he would be out of my birth canal at this point but his head was stuck on my cervix because he was face up versus his face down so his face um facing my spine is how they normally are are supposed to come out but um his was face up so like facing the front of my body and so his forehead was getting stuck on my cervix so on one point during contraction she had to like try and uh, manually like move his head off my cervix which was unbelievably so painful and then because it doesn't stop there um she had to flip him because of how fast his heart rate kept dropping And what she had me doing was going from a child's pose to a tabletop, a child's pose to a tabletop, a child's pose to a tabletop in the middle of like literally birth contractions. And it worked. He shot out um, my body. As soon as he adjusted, my body adjusted. And I just like went right into the position that I needed to without any instruction and pushed him out in two pushes. And that was absolutely insane. The most intense and um, mortifyingly painful experience I have by far ever had. I also did this unmedicated as well. So with 
Philip and Clara, I had a shot of morphine at the beginning of labor and that pretty much took me the entire way through. So I really only felt it in like the very last stages. And at that point, you're just like so like inner focused. It doesn't even matter. There's this one. There was literally no medication. And through all of this, um, him being hung up on my cervix and just like how low he was and his position and everything, no medication. And that was, oh my lanta, that was, that was, that's the words, that was. If you ever want to describe something that you just can't describe, you just, that was. (laughs) So that was a thing. Um, but I honestly wouldn't do it any other way because not only was my midwife unbelievably incredible and encouraging, and then she had a a midwife in training with us and she's like speaking in my ear, like affirmations and empowerment and positivity and feels like doesn't really know what to do and he doesn't want to get in anyone's way. And there's like a whole team of people around, like just kind of watching her do this that work at the hospital. And then even after they're like, how did you know how to like to do that with her? Like, I've never seen that done before. Like that was insane. And that I can't like that worked. Wow. That's incredible. And then just like, again, I'm not someone who likes to take on attention, but it's really interesting when you have a midwife say like considering the experience, one, that's never happened before, but the way that you just knew to get into position, to do what you ended up doing, to push through all that, like, that was really, really incredible. And on top of it, we were only there for me laboring, pushing him out, and then an hour afterwards. Like, we, he came out just before 7, and we were out of there by 8.30. And yes, Typically, when you go through a hospital admin, you stay 24 hours because the baby does a 24-hour check. Well, you still have to do that with a midwife. Um, The only difference is you have the option to like go to your house or assuming there was no complications, they'll just come to your house um, and then come back again in 24 hours. So thankfully, again, another beautiful blessing from God. Phil's brother recently moved to Leduc and his mom has been staying there while he's been working out of town. So we got to go just to Leduc and stay there for the 24 hours, which was so wonderful. Um, but it was, it was honestly like such an insane experience. Um, in some people's uh, perspectives, they <laughs> reference it as barbaric and I would 100% agree. I've never been so exposed and like just literally not giving an F in my life. Um, just like I'm, I'm not someone who necessarily, I'm not uncomfortable naked, but I like would prefer to just genuinely wear clothes. I don't like to be naked around people I don't know, probably for obvious reasons, um, especially a whole room full of people. Um, and understandably when you're giving birth, like you're not going to be wearing much clothes, uh, which is fine. And I'm told that's not a problem for me, but it was just like, I was like naked this day and I got in the labor and delivery room and there was like people coming in and out. Phil's mom brought me clothes because we didn't have any. She ended up staying for the whole experience. I was just like naked (laughs) with Phil's mom around going from the bed to the shower to the bathroom to the bed to the walking around the room like oh my and then I delivered him on hands and knees just naked and I was like wow, if I ever had any shred of lack of self-confidence, I definitely don't have that problem anymore. (laughs) It's just like, here I am. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, yeah, just absolutely wild. And it's so interesting because we go back to that whole idea of trauma. Like this is a considerably very traumatic circumstance from the baby's heart rate plummeting, potentially thinking I'm going into a C-section any minute, um, having to go through these like unbelievable motions to get him to flip in the middle of pushing him out to just all of it, to pooping myself from the wrong end (laughs) in the Dollar Tree, like unbelievable like I don't even have words for it it's just I say it and I'm like oh yeah that's oh that's my story oh okay oh sure all right here we go um but it's just like you look at that and it's like women go through this all the time like 
We go through this when we're not birthing. It could be like a heavy period month and just like that happens to be the day you decide to wear white pants or you want to wear a dress or you forget your tampons at home. Like we go through this stuff all the time and there's such this ridiculous idea that everything just has to be so traumatic and then also within that there's this ridiculous societal agenda being pushed where it's like men can all of a sudden just adopt this and this isn't a stab or a jab at trans women this is the fact that society is trying to tell people that men becoming women is the same thing take your feelings out of it factually it is not and they will never know what it's like to go through these experiences even if they get uterus implants or um, cut off their dicks like yeah okay a little harsh a little bold but it's true like this isn't this isn't an opinion this is facts like you can do whatever you want to do but biologically you still won't be a woman because you're biologically not a woman And again, this isn't a jab at trans people. Like, portray yourself how you want to be portrayed if that's what you choose to do. And yes, despite popular belief, it is actually a choice. Because in Canada, we now have funding for trans women. But as a woman, you don't get a tax break on your tampons every month or your Midol or your Tylenol or your heating pads or doctor's appointments or specialist appointments or any of that. You pay full price for it. Or like, what do you get? You only get funding if you have a baby and you go on maternity leave, which also means that you've had to have a job and have 600 hours to get that. So if you're self-employed, you don't get no extra benefit for being a woman, but yet there's this whole equality of women thing going on. It's absolutely asinine. And I just look at this experience that I went through and I I just, it's, it's so incredible to just witness how backwards our world has become and how fast people are to just like not want to say anything because of the I don't know you don't want we don't want to offend someone it's like I'm not here to offend people I'm here to go against a system that's literally oh I have so many words just so hypocritical we'll we'll leave it nicely at that and just push these like psychologically damaging ideologies you know like you're you have men who want to become women fine but then to tell them that that's normal or it's the same or it's going to improve their life that's what's psychologically damaging because it's not going to improve their life statistically suicide rates actually go up after transitioning um, upwards of five percent and they're already uh, in between 48 to 52 percent So for people to go through transitions, either men or women, and the suicide rates go up, that's not solving the problem. Okay, so then there's something else that needs to be addressed. And then to say it's going to be the same. Well, of course it's not going to be the same. You can't give birth if you're transitioning to a woman. So that's not the same. You're not going to have a period. So that's not the same. Uh, You're going to have a completely different biological and hormonal makeup. So that's not the same, even if you go on hormone blockers right? It's like, so it's a lie, this constant lie that's being fed to people. And it's so psychologically damaging. And I just look at it and I'm like, man, what is going on? <laughs> like, what is going on? It, it's just so dumbfounding. It really is. Words, like there's the words escape me on this one. I might do a whole nother episode on this, but it's just, I look at these things that women can do And how society is trying to, sorry, not necessarily society, but how brainwashed society has become because of these political agendas where people are, I made a post or reel today because um, in postpartum, apparently I want to start internet riots on this topic. And um, someone had, it was about Trudeau's funding for these, uh, for trans women and then how, like, yo, where's my funding? You want to talk about equality? I don't see no funding for me. Um, but anyways, and then, uh, someone had made a comment about how, like, basically I was being a bigot and this post was pure evil and it's like, there's nothing pure evil about it. It's factual. Like, take your feelings out of it. This is factual. It's not equal. 
it is a choice to choose to transition. Whether you want to believe that or not, it is a choice. You were born one way and you were literally choosing. Everything's a choice. It's a choice to get pregnant. It's a choice to uh, do your laundry. It's a choice to take hormone blockers. It's a choice to choose what school you want. Like, life is a choice. Everything is a choice. And the sooner that you accept that, the easier and better your life will get. Because you then become 100% responsible for the quality of your life and can't play victim mentality. That's what we're trying to do here is push this agenda of everyone's a victim, everyone's oppressed. It's like everyone's oppressed to some degree, in some way, some generation, some ideology, some some experience, someone's, everyone's oppressed in some way. It just depends on whether you're going to choose to focus on that or whether you're going to choose to focus on empowerment. Really, again, choices. Moving on. So, and just look at all these things that are happening And I look at this experience that I went through and I watch, you know, just women that I know who have um, gone through some insane experiences in the last year, one genuinely because of them being a woman with birth, with marriage, with um, fertility, uh, just things, just what, like just being a woman and I look at the way that society is going around this topic and I just look at all the choices that we have and despite the the negative side of it or the traumatic side of it or the un or the ridiculous side of it like women are so powerful. I could understand why someone would want to be a woman because damn, do we go through so much? And this isn't to take away from men. <laughs> I'm just only speaking to women right now or the women's side of it, we go through so much and things that most people can't even comprehend. And that doesn't necessarily need a reward. It doesn't need a day. It doesn't need a trophy. It doesn't need a parade. But it's something that we innately as women all are capable of, all have access to. And even bridging this with intuition, we have this motherly instinct that regardless of whether you have or want or don't have kids, you have in you anyways. And it is through your feelings, your inherent enhanced feelings. Women feel more deeper than men um, uh, naturally. It is through that instinct that we can do the most powerful things. And in this day and age in our society, we are the ones who are going to, you know, we look at this feminist movement of how it's all about equality and pay gaps that don't actually exist in the West. And it's about uh, patriarchies that, again, don't also actually exist in the West. And it's about, you know, getting women to not want to be mothers so that they can be taxed because now they're these empowered working CEOs. And it's like the most incredible thing that a woman was designed to do was to become a mother and to birth the next generation. And we're taking that away and we're stripping that away. And even if you don't want to have kids or maybe can't have kids, right? maybe there's just something within you, which I'm going to share a story in another podcast about that, about the miracle of, uh, or the ideology of I can't have kids and how that's actually just truly not true. And then again, the power of faith. And it's just the most beautiful story um, and still unfolding, which is really cool. But we have this incredible capability and we hold ourselves down. Society doesn't hold us down, okay? We hold ourselves down because in, again, everything being a choice, we're choosing to believe that we're underprivileged or that we, um, we have all these uh, inconsistencies or inequalities or that you know, we need to provide in this masculine way and we need to stop doing all these things that we're inherently, genetically, biologically meant to do. And it's so crazy because when you really embrace being a woman, like being a genuine biological woman, you are unstoppable to the world. You bring a new generation to the world. Like what? Like, forget money, forget health, diets, clothes, Louis Vuitton, social media people, Pinterest. Like, you bring a new generation to this world. Sit with that for a while. 
Like sit with, if you're in this space of self-loathing right away, again, whether you have kids, want kids, don't want kids, conceiving to have kids, can't have, whatever the case may be, you're literally designed to bring a new generation to this world. What? Like, how are we not sitting in this place of like, I'm going to swear again, holy fuck, I can literally do anything. And not from a place of like self-righteousness where like, and in my um, in my glory, but like God designed you in this incredible way. And I really think that if we started focusing a little more on that, on the power of our design, and we really started focusing on God's truth for women and how he can just provide in these incredible ways, And how truly, instinctually, intuitively, you will just know things that you cannot explain. Where's my claircognizance at? Right? And you can choose to trust it, even when it doesn't logically make sense. And that's literally your life. And like everything from there is like creation. Everything from there is like fulfilling God's plan. Everything from there is this incredible journey that you were designed before you even got here to go on. Like imagine focusing on that instead of the trauma. Okay, baby's calling me. I'd love to hear your takeaways from this episode. It's a longer one, but shoot me a message on Instagram. Let's start a conversation about this and uh, I'll see you next week. Take care. Before you go, I would love and appreciate so much if you could take a moment of your time to leave a five-star review. It helps me to be able to get this message out to so many more in the world. And I am so truly thankful that you choose this place to be every single week. Until next time, don't forget to find the magic in today.